Yo, this is Zero from El Vu and LA Natives Podcast. And I'm happy to announce that Malinali Superfoods now has a storefront location. And we invite all our community to come and partake in our family recipes, in our ancient foods, and in our intention. Our intention is to gather our community, to share the wisdom of our ancestors, but most of all, have a place to be ourselves. So we invite you to come to 4528 Whittier Boulevard in the heart of East Los Angeles. So come, stop by, enjoy our awas, our superfood smoothies, our nutrient powders, and understand that food is our medicine. Our ancestors were brilliant engineers, and they created strong, powerful foods that we share with the community. Aho, Ometeo, Tonansi, Tonato. We start out on this new road. No turning back. But we have our ancestors with us. We're going to continue to dance with them. Dreaming them. Calling them. We are becoming what we were. It is borrowed that Maya prophecies. Seven triangles of light. Keep walking. You are the spirit of Unaku. Keep walking. We the human, we are doing the spirit of Unaku. Are getting back to their voices. They are becoming real to us and speaking to the 
people of the 20th century about who built this place and why and what they felt and what they thought about the world. These are not anonymous people anymore. You are the spirit of Unaku. Keep walking. We the human, we are doing the spirit of Unaku. Oh, LA Natives community for rebooting our camera, but, you know, it's nice to be on again. Hope everybody is doing okay, and uh, we got Always Protect today, right? Always Protect. And yeah, we're going to get into some topics as usual, you know, and get to interview one of the dope Chicano or indigenous artist from the Bay Area, right, Armando? Yes, sir. Nice. Sorry, guys, the <coughs> energy is so powerful today. Our fucking camera went out. We need to buy a new one. We're like, this is our like 100th episode. Really? Well, 45 technically, uh-huh. but that's not even including the Wednesday conversations that we had. Oh, okay, okay. I get it. Wow, that's crazy. But yeah, we have Always Protect APE in the building. He's from... I What's believe the e San Jose. What's E? What A P E? Always protect. We'll have them break. Okay. Break it down. Well, I guess. Um, I'm sure everyone is aware that uh, we announced our event for June 25th. Dakota Bear, bro. Man, that guy's so dope, and I'm glad that he agreed to come down in a humble with a humble offer. And um, you know, we're about to show him some hospitality. 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 Yeah, hospitality. This is going to be his first time he comes out to L.A. That'd be dope, man. So he gets to, you know, enjoy the L.A. Natives community because we're going to need you all to show up and, you know, really support a brother that's coming from a long way who has a very dope message and has dope clothing. His clothing is really fire. So be prepared to buy some of his merchandise, support him. Because that's how artists make it when they come to different cities. You know, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, when you're buying a shirt, you're not buying it like you're buying a shirt from Macy's. You're buying a shirt from an artist who's going to probably buy something to eat after. You know, those shirt sales, any kind of artist, you know, they survive off of this, uh, of their merchandise. Um, Not really their music. Their music's kind of the commercial for the merchandise. And, And you're not even really buying a, like, really expensive well some some artists put some some money behind their merch but most of the artists are trying to get a deal on the shirt so you're really buying the shirt because you support the artist's message right <clears throat> i remember when i used to go to the shows and there'd be this one dude and he buys all the shirts i'm all like hey bro you're gonna buy all the shirts he's all yeah man he's all look man i'd rather give you the money than starbucks or you know mcdonald's or whatever fast food chain that i go eat I'd rather support your message because your message is important for our people. And at that moment, I understood what merchandise was, you know, merch and what merch was for the artist. You know, it's just a token, a tribute to your support, you know, and that's very important that you that you do that for artists. So when and this um, is why June 25th is going to be very important, because this is not just an underground hip hop event. This is a true gathering. Yeah. Of like-minded individuals, yeah. true indigenous hip-hop artists, and I'm speaking facts. A lot of them sell merchandise, right, Zero? Absolutely, and they, that's what they survive. So everybody survives. I just, I just gave like a long spiel about what's about what it's about because people get confused with, you know, it being high fashion. You're supporting the message of that 
whatever it is, whether it be a podcast, a TV show, a movie, whatever it is, you're supporting that message. Dakota Bear, he might be bringing out some clothing from his clothing brand. I'm sure he is because Decolonize is dope. Right. It's called Decolonize. So instead of you buying Nike or Timberland, uh, getting your girl a coach bag, right? Yeah. I would prefer you, instead of going to the event and supporting Dakota Bear and buying a, a very unique T-shirt from Canada. Yeah, and sweaters. He has sweaters. sweaters. I, I'm sure he has hats and beanies and all that stuff because he's really locked into his merchandise. And that's why I want to bring it up because, you know, when he comes down here, you know, if we set up anything for him, that's what he's going to sell, you know, and and we have to support his journey and his message because his message is really, really dope. It's really, really um based on truth about the indigenous peoples of Canada and what they suffered and what they suffer. And from from my point of view, he's one of the dopest indigenous hip hop artists right now and just whole in the whole spectrum of just that category, bro. Like he's literally on the top. Yeah. Him, Dreesus, Snotty Nose. Snotty Nose. Yeah. Superman. Superman for sure. I mean That Superman show was fucking dope. Oh right? yeah. Zero. Yeah, it was. What I like about it is that it's non-recognized natives bringing out recognized natives, right? Yeah, and crossing that barrier or that fake illusion that we're different just because, you know, our parents were raped and they didn't give us paperwork, you know, versus oh, you were put in prison in this reservation. Yeah. So I mean, whether or not you have the paperwork. To prove whatever, it's really your heart and how you carry yourself and what your intention is and what you've studied and what you've implemented. That really tells the story of where you're from. Ultimately, right, Zero, this podcast is devoted to the indigenous hip-hop community. Yeah. Right? And the indigenous message of unity and that all communities are one. We have about 15 to 20 people tuning in right now watching us live, and I want to tell you guys personally, Make sure you guys come out June 25th. Yes. Let's make share sure the this show is packed. Go on our Instagram, share the flyer. Let's compete with these other rappers that are in these other categories, right? And I, like, I, I throw all kinds of shows, right, Zero? Yeah. Like, I throw Necro, Gonejo, Griselda, Rock Marciano. We did Zarface. We're bringing out... Uh, oh, now I can't spill the beans yet because we haven't closed the deal. Yeah, but, but it's a big it's one. It's a big one. It's uh, a huge uh, one for uh, our under, community. For the Underground Hip Hop Blog 10-year anniversary event. For underground hip hop in general, this guy's a, a massive artist. Yeah. And when you um, lock it down. We've we've you know, I've toured around the country, but I've never thought about gathering indigenous hip hop artists together at any point. When like I just w- until recently, until we started making this podcast. When I went to the Gathering of the Nations with Delvu on a short tour, um, I noticed how many Native hip hop artists there are from all over the place, like from and they Albert go there, Bay. yeah, and they go there and they showcase their stuff, you know, which is dope because you know a lot of people go to their arena where they see the fat, like you know how Superman dances, yeah. So they do that big old um, uh, arena um, competition, but that's like fifty thousand people in this small town, you yeah. know, or, or the nearby towns that are around it, and so things go off during the week. 
And so it's like an event, you know, and, and, and when I went to that event, I saw so many like defy, I saw defy. Oh, there's these other brothers that are dope. Uh, um, manic from Canada. I mean, you see people from everywhere there, dude. And yeah. it's, and they're dope as fuck. And it's called gathering of the nations. Right. Mm-hmm. And I heard it's coming up. It, it just passed. Oh, it, it just, just passed? passed last week. I think. Oh, okay. But um, yeah, that that that's a very important thing. So what well, see, we're trying to do, well, see, we're trying to do gathering of nations, but here in LA for indigenous hip hop and and no and dope underground, hip-hop. yeah, and no borders and no no politics and no none of that. It's just a, a, an indigenous community coming together, learning from each other, maybe disagreeing, but knowing how to get along. That's what the gathering was back then in June twenty fifth when Sitting Bull and Crazy Horse gathers all the nations to go up against the U.S. Army, right? All differences had to be put aside. Custer's last stand. All beliefs had to be put aside. All that stuff has to be put aside. So that's where we're, that's the momentum that LA Natives is kind of creating. And when we do these shows like June 25th at the Catch One with the with Dakota Bear and myself, um, and man, Nug we got life. the Brujas. The Brujas. Brujas Brew. Nug Life. Sister Irie. Shout out Sister Irie. Nug Life. I mean... East of the River. I mean... APE? Yeah, dude. I mean, dude, there, there's... It's, it's, it's going to be cool as fuck. And here's my favorite part, Armando. I've been going to shows since they've lifted the mandates and all that stupid shit. Um, and it's $13, bro. Like, you priced the show at 13 bucks. Like, come on. You, can, you can't tell me you can't afford 13 bucks. Guys, it's a $13 event. Every other concert, dope concert, it's like 30, 40 bucks right now. Absolutely. Inflation hit hard yeah. to these promoters, man. Yeah, but Raising we know how prices. to be creative about what we have. And we have incredible talent like Dakota Bear yes. and APE. Yep. Because um, you're like one of the biggest bookers here in L.A., dude. It's not easy to, to you're like getting to be a Sean Healy, you know, of, of LA, L.A. And Oh, I'm honored, man. Sean Healy's a legend. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's where you're going. You know, because you know talent, you're buying talent, and you're putting them in, in professional venues. And that's what this show is with Dakota Bear and everyone else who joins our, our lineup. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, man, we have a very special show today. We have APE, Always Protect, out of San Jose, California. Dope. Right? Um, he's actually going to be performing June 25th. Sweet. So... Make sure you guys support, check out his music, follow him on social media. Um, before we get into the interview, I want to just remind people, go onto our YouTube page and subscribe. And if you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you are subscribed. Tell a friend, tell a family member. Um, share our hit, page. Share, share the video. Hit the like button. Leave a comment. Um, make sure you guys add a like to these videos because the more likes we get, um, the algorithm kind of helps us out more. You know, and we're just right. reaching out to everyone to ask politely to make sure you're, you're subscribed so we could get to a thousand subscribers. That's yeah. our goal, guys. A thousand subscribers. We're, we're almost there. Yeah. It, it, I mean, if you have someone that you feel is going to be impacted by the guests that we bring on, the neutrality that we have here, the information that we share, um, then you need to share this link with them because this is the way we're going to communicate. The, the lines of communication cannot be brought back, you know, unless they cut the power off, which we should be expecting, you know. But 
nevertheless, right now we do have communication and this is the way we're doing it through podcasts, through shows, through whatever it is that whatever ways we can to remind our community that we're one community, you know, that we walk together. Let's go ahead and bring APE in. What's going on, y'all? Yo, yo, yo. Welcome, brother. How, how am I doing on this here with audio? You're yeah, you sound absolutely good. I can fine. hear you. Okay, okay. <coughs> We're trying this new thing with the AirPods. That's why. Okay. Can you can you hear us fine? Yeah, yeah. I All can right. hear everything perfectly. Right on, bro. Yo, um, I want to thank you for jumping on the podcast, man. We were talking um, prior to the show starting, man. And man, you got a lot to say, brother. You got a That's lot to true. say. Um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about, you know, the message, you know, APE, always protect. Go ahead and break it down, brother. Yeah, I got you. I mean, first and foremost, I appreciate y'all having me in the space. It is a pleasure and an honor. And everybody in the comments or everybody that's viewing or gets a chance to watch this after. Uh, I just hope you all have a beautiful week. Take care of yourselves. Uh, yeah, APE, always protect against evil mm. um, is what it stands for. Uh, and as I was explaining before, always protect overall became the brand that I started to follow after that, because I know always protect against evil can be kind of long winded. But uh, this essentially came into fruition back in 2014, which I the first time that I went public with any of my music uh, on any platform, and that was SoundCloud starting off. Uh, I actually got it from watching the the most recent franchise of Planet of the Apes. And the reason that I took Always Protect Against Evil was because when I was watching Planet of the Apes, I saw this struggle from Caesar, who was the main character, the main ape, uh, he, he was split between two identities because he was adopted by uh, who James Franco's character was, which was a human. Um, but he always felt like he was out of place. Um, and then as he started to get more information about where he comes from, he started to realize, oh, OK, everything about my identity is completely a lie. And I actually align with these people over here, which are essentially apes. Uh, and that resonated with me because it, it it it's a testament to my identity of you know, uh, considering myself a descendant, but who also evolved to becoming somebody who's Mexican, who lives on the United States territory. Um, and it's a love-hate relationship. You know, it goes back to that saying from the movie Selena, where it's like, you you know, you, you're not accepted by uh, U.S. Americans. But then when you go to Mexico, you're also not accepted by folks from Mexico because of whatever reason that may be. And so there's always been this internal struggle of me uh, trying to find out my identity and feeling like I was out of place because I was being I'm over here on the United States side, but I'm not accepted by the majority. Um, and with that comes a lot of feeling. So I, I saw that internal struggle. And then you see him kind of become this this very uh, submissive type of ape to where he's just like calm, quiet. And then once he starts to realize his true identity, he starts to become very, very radical. And that was the same thing with me. Once I started to get in touch with my roots and I joined my red road and I started to really find out who it is that I am, where I come from and the people that I come from, it's like I started to to harbor this intense anger, very justified anger, uh, but this intense anger and not hatred for for what's happening, but just for the amount of love that I have for my people. And I hate the fact of what it is that we and they are going through. Um, and that's how I came up with always protect against evil was because I resonated with that internal battle of being stuck in between uh, two identities. Wow. Zero. Pretty deep. Pretty that's deep. like, that's. And you're talking about the modern day 
Planet of the Apes, right? Because there's a nineteen, yeah, the nineteen eighty version. It's totally different. Yeah, yeah, not not the not the. Because you said you said the, he said the Planet of the Apes, and I went, "Damn, this dude goes deep. He goes like into seventies <laughs> movies and shit. Like that's a cool concept. You know, artists have to pull from these inspirational points, right? And mm-hmm. um, movies are a big. Um, I mean, um, some artists build the whole career off of watching a movie, and you know rapping and taking identities from that or pieces from that movie but mm-hmm. uh to develop uh i guess a psychological kind of perspective to your art through that movie um is pretty interesting brother that's a very high to me in my opinion a high art kind of a thing you know because mm-hmm. artists are very quiet about what their sources are you know in terms yeah. of like how they develop things or or whatever or you know or sometimes they just don't talk about it you know, like, mm-hmm. like, you know, who's like that prince. Prince is like that. Like, they, he doesn't really talk about his process, right? Because mm-hmm. if he talked about his process, then people will mimic his process. It'll, it'll decrease a little bit, right? But, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure that there's many, many other venues that, or avenues that you use and pull um, uh, inspiration from. Like me, a lot of people, they go, oh, like, what are you inspired by? Like, you know, like, brother, it was inspired by this movie and got the concept, right? And, and when I write lyrics, I look at paintings and I get inspiration mm-hmm. from paintings, right? Not mm-hmm. hip hop, not beats, just paintings. And I look at them and I, and I come up with my own perspective of what that artist is trying to talk about. And it helps me write my lyrics, right? Because I no longer seeing color, I'm seeing his perspective, his words. Without net, nothing, no music, it's just paintings. I just look at paintings, and I pull my first lines. And you know how it is when you write. You know, once you got your first line, it comes, you know, natural where you're gonna go with it. You know. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, that's a cool thing to share. You know how you got your name and 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 all that stuff. So. Well, how many people could relate with his story? They're they're trying to find their identity here in the U.S. They're born here in the U.S. Right. You go down south of Mexico and then you're still not accepted. Well, yeah, because what we neglect and tell me if I'm and tell me what your opinion is. Right. APE. In my opinion, we neglect to realize that we are prisoners of war or children of prisoners of war. Because mm-hmm. Mexico, I agree with that. Because the United States, California was Mexico before. Right. So mm-hmm. then. If we think about that and go, oh, okay, well, now we have to accept that we are the offspring or the remnants of prisoners of war, right? Then we really don't have a home because our home was taken away, right? And so what does that leave us? That leaves us to be orphaned. And only orphans can go to Mexico and not be accepted and be in their own place of origin. And not be accepted because they are parentless, right? Because of the result of war, the rape of war, the uh, raping of the identity. My grandparents were not indigenous at all. As a matter of fact, if, if, if my grandmother was alive, she'd probably be not talking to me because she was Christianized. And that's what happens when orphans are left in the crossfire, Right. And that's why we have that dynamic with us where we're not accepted over there and we're not accepted here. And then where are we from? And if we 
break down white supremacy and their ideologies and we erase it, then we're from the earth. We're from the, the, the land that you're standing on at the moment, you know, because that's all we can really claim is the land that we're standing on in that moment mm-hmm. and erase the paradigm of borders or nationalities or, or things of that nature, right? When you strip away all their bullshit, you know, that's derived from white supremacy and go back to indigenous thoughts, math, science, frequency, energy, intent, then that's really decolonization because you're turning your back on a system that they convinced us was inclusive but was not. It was like a, it was a, it was like a commercial that wasn't true because they have no intention of letting prisoners of war gain any positions of power mm-hmm. unless you're bought yeah. and sold, right? You're, you know, the politicians bought and sold. You know, he, he sold his soul to whatever company or government or agenda they're trying to push, you know, and they meaning the very, very rich. I, I like what you said about, like, when, when we start to strip away all this bullshit and really get down to, to the core of what it all means is, you know, we're children of the earth. Absolutely. And I think, I think what's important uh that I say right now is that that's actually where I'm leaning towards uh, because I'm going to struggle with my identity until the day that I die. That's something that I've accepted. Mm. That's unfortunately the burden that I myself that I have to carry. And I'm sure the folks in the comments have to carry and anybody else that, that may or may not be listening to this um, that come from the backgrounds that we come from is that we do have to carry a burden of, of really understanding, seeking eternal truth. Mm. It goes back to that concept of like, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to seek, eternal truth and we're going to spend our entire lifetime trying to find out what that truth is because we feel uncomfortable um but that's where i would say that i'm at in my journey when it comes to my red road so i do consider myself a descendant um but i'm also careful i'm also careful with that uh to the to the extent of just like i'm, I'm very willing to learn uh because it goes into the whole concept of like who gets to identify as indigenous mm. you know which is an, an another topic that can take hours and hours to really really decipher um but I know on my first album that I dropped, Alter Ego, which was in 2018, uh, I was heavily, heavily advertising, quote unquote, um, the my political identity of being a Chicano, mm. uh, which is beautiful. You know, uh, being Chicano and the Chicano movement and everything that Chicanos have done and are still doing are very, very beautiful. Um, but it's also a very messy history. You know, mm. uh, one thing that I've, I've had to learn the hard way is not to uh, romanticize a lot of things, especially the history that we come from. Um, because it's not, it's not as black and white as we can make it seem. There's very, there's a lot of subtle nuances, especially when it comes to something complex as identity. And so with me, uh, you know, reclaiming my identity and coming full force with this, like, you know, I'm a Chicano straight up through and through, um, you know, as I started to kind of like really break down what that meant as well, there, there was parts where I was just like, ah, this, this, you know, this makes my path a little bit more complicated than I would like to, because then you start to get into the concept of like, uh, Chicanismo kind of like culturally appropriating indigenous cultures that are still alive. Uh, Chicanismo, um, you know, having this hyper-masculine uh, type of identity to where we even have hurt our own mujeres and those non-identified um, in the process. And that's something that I'm not going to shy away from. 
you know, that's, that's something that I'm going to keep, keep with me. Cause that's a learning, that's a learning experience. That's something that we can take and make sure that we never do moving forward. Um, but it becomes complicated, especially when it comes to the conversations online uh, and uh, surrounding identity, because, you know, one thing that I hate and I see it quite often is that there's, there's just sibling versus sibling bickering, Of course, you know, pointing, pointing fingers. No, you're not indigenous because of this, that, and the third, or no, you can't identify as such because of this, that, and the third. And I just see a bunch of back and forth while you see folks, um, you know, specifically white folks. I understand wholeheartedly that it's not about white people. It's about whiteness and the concept of whiteness. But I also have to hold them accountable because to an extent, a lot of white folks, European, not, not a lot of light skinned natives, uh, perpetuate, are very much complicit in a lot of the ways that uh, my siblings and I argue about who it is that we are, but they get to live their life, wear headdresses when they go to fucking Coachella, um, you know, say that I'm one third Cherokee because, you know, of whatever forced assimilation happened over there in Oklahoma and have no consequences whatsoever. They can identify as such for the very fact that they just can, while my siblings and I are, are just bickering back and forth about who's real and who's not and who can identify as such i'll tell you and, who, and it, i'll tell you who's real i mean real people real, real, real people implement what they learn mm-hmm. right other people read and get yeah. information and have information and they're ready to pop off with quotes from so-and-so and this memory bank of non-implementation mm-hmm. right that's who's real right mm-hmm. in terms of chicano we have to remember that Chicano is an orphan saying, I'm this. Yes. Okay. Fuck you. Fuck you. I'm this. Mm-hmm. Now, did it come with men that were trained to respect women and trained to understand their children? And that's the Mesoamerican indigenous blood that lives within our soul. It lives in our bloodstream. That's the innate magic. Right. But there was 500 years of dysfunction in between that. So, Mm -hmm. yes, you're going to have men who are still following patriarchal understandings. Right. But they're standing up for their families. Mm -hmm. That's what Chicano means. It doesn't mean that we're appropriating indigenous. You know what? You know what made the Maya, the Maya, the Mexica, the Mexica and all these other Mesoamerican cultures what they were is they weren't afraid to learn from anyone yeah and implement it into their life banchebe Mm -hmm. is the seeking the root of truth that means that someone else can bring truth to me if i understand that as truth and it was given to me by some sage who came from wherever i'm not gonna be like ah nah that's Mm -hmm. that's the point of being indigenous is to humble yourself and learn that's yes. it. That's it. And not to exploit what you've learned. Mm-hmm. That's what the white man didn't understand. Yeah. We're going to teach you this medicine, but don't exploit it. And the first thing he did is exploit it. Okay, cool. Exploit it. Then you had to do what you had to do. I'm not here to judge or you had to do what you had to do. See, because what people forget too is our ancestors are greatest of wizards or whatever you want to call them or medicine men or whatever it is. You know, I, I'm using these words so you can get someone who has profound power, right? Someone who worked on his energy while he was alive 
and understood the elements of the universe through his inner verse live in the ether. Mm -hmm. They don't live in, they, they can appear when they want to. They can leave when they want to. Those people exist for us. Those are our ancestors. Those mm -hmm. are our medicine men who saw that fucking storm of bullshit from Europe coming and they had to go into the ether and guide from there. Because these Chicanos that you're talking about had to go through a lot. Very much so. And they and we're still talking about them now. Mm -hmm. Yes, were they perfect? No. Not at all. Did they learn from other Lakota um, medicine men? Yes. We're not real, that's, that's foolish to think that reappropriating or, in, in my opinion, and I don't want to be combative and I don't want to go back and forth with people because that's not my, my job. Yeah, yeah. My but job that's is, how conversations happen. Yeah, that, that, my job is to you unite and, and, and to understand that I'm only sharing my perspective, but orphans, orphans get fed by other people. And the mm -hmm. Lakota tribe were one of those people who said, nah. Bring them into the lodge because they're native. Well, what do you mean they're, in, they're native? Okay. And that's all they had to do. Because mm -hmm. when we went in the lodge, we awoke, or at least I did, something that was so old, so ancient. And it was innate. I didn't have to because it requires discipline. And implementation. It's not just fact remembering, you know, yeah, and, yeah, exactly. and reading these entire books and understanding the concept, but not implementing them. Right. And then believing in that uh, medicine man, um, that person that lives in that, in that realm that mm -hmm. are powerful, that can reach out. You know, we had a society that, laid down for the future generation mm -hmm. that's all indigenous will always all the indigenous medicine men will always tell you for the future generations right i so, was you know i was never comfortable using that term chicano i just i don't know there was something about that term it's ever since i was well, a kid i was like what the fuck is that because they they you know they took it and they they chicano went so many places bro it went like right. to the streets and then it went to like you know fighting for your rights with the aim movement and, mm -hmm. and i mean it went so many places but they Bro, had when to I was they 16, had to just, they had to mud it up and dirty it when up when i was 16 17 there was a line that vic said i think it was on one of your guys's first projects he says chicano latino mexica si that shit fucking like burned in my mind. memory bro right you know and then i always decided to question that like you know yeah. i used to ask my father like are you Chicano? He's like, fuck no. So Mexicano. <laughs> you know? It got distorted somehow because when you went to like Mexico and you said, oh, I'm Chicano, they were like, oh, this is the white boy from the U.S. I don't know how yeah. my dad came up with this, but he, from when I was a kid, he, he would say, Chicanos are Mexicans that don't speak Spanish. Exactly. People who, are, said that. people who are born in but, the U.S. But my, but, father was, but my father was heavily Christianized and he hated Mexico. He's terrified and he will never go back. Mm. And he was just indoctrinated into this, into this culture. Mm. 
that he migrated to. Mm. So I, I could only I could only understand where my father's coming from, but mm. that's what he always told me that the, the Chicanos, Chicano movements, or Mexicans don't 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 speak Spanish. I'm like, no fucking way, Dad. <laughs> it was actually a pretty deep concept, you know, and and what they came together to do. I mean, you know, and they, my father, would you know, tell they, me, they, and my father would tell me, "You're not Latino either. It is Mexicano." Uh huh. Yeah. Well, they're they're very. You know, they're very nationalistic, you know, yeah. and they want to teach you, you know, speak Spanish and, yes. you know, eat tortillas. And, you know. but, but you see, even even with how, how complicated just your dad's own story can be, like imagine just an entire just everybody across Turtle Island mm. having to, to, to channel or even just reflect on that history in itself. It, it just gets completely messy. And then once we all start to come together and try to figure out, have that conversation, that dialogue, which for the most part especially online turns into to bickering uh it's just complicated so case in point um i was going back to what you were saying is that i'm i'm at i'm at the point in my own identity of understanding that i am a child of earth who is willing to just learn Mm. i want to listen i want to learn i wholeheartedly follow each one teach one and i'm going to just gather those ideas just for the sake of my own identity and you know, I want to make sure that I'm somebody that walks with integrity and honor. And I hope I shine a light on another person that I ever get to come across and they take that with them as well so that we don't continue to bicker. And if we do have a disagreement with each other, we could love each other in that process and not try to cut each other's throats or just come at each other's neck and have beef moving forward. Cause that's not, that's not what I want. Yeah. Nobody wants to be in disagreement with anyone. And, mm-hmm. um, but again, I'll use the analogy of the orphan um analogy yeah right so what happens right when you know you get left alone in a house and your mom and dad aren't there and it's just you and your brothers and your sisters and some are older and some are younger and you guys are all in the house you're all all gonna fight Mm because there's nobody there to bring a a stable system or a stable whatever mom and dad bring that so we've been we've been orphaned for a very long time you know and, you know, our parents tried their best, mm-hmm. but, you know, they had that kind of slave mentality, you know, shut up and work your 15 hours and be happy. You even have a job, you know, it's like, yeah. wow. Like, that's like, if you don't tell me that's Hardcore. slavery, that's slavery. Facts. That's slavery. They were happy to work overtime. Yeah. Oh my God. I just busted 24 hours. I didn't even see my family for seven days. And it's like. Yeah, but I brought home the big old check and I ate a nice dinner and I had to go back to work. It's like, that's slavery. That's not, that's not. um, And they made us look at that as a Mexican community, as a Chicano community, as a forgotten indigenous community to, to be that way that that if you're not that way, you're lazy. And and, and like for my parents, the only reason why they had to work extra hours and and bust their asses to provide for their family, you know, because none of our families were rich. Mm-hmm. Right, Zero? Yeah. I tell people, you know, at the Malinali Superfood, because it's a plant-based um, uh, deli slash, you know, juice bar. Um, I tell them, they're telling me, oh, yeah, you know, um, it's hard for me to, to leave eating meat and this and that. And I go, and, and they kind of start giving me a story of like being guilty. Like, oh yeah, you know, I just don't want to leave. And I go, look, you got to remember that your parents and your grandparents had to work double time, triple time just to bring back home carne asada. 
Okay, because yeah. that shit was not cheap, right? And that's it's just so that we didn't feel inferior, right? No, we eat the same things, right? But my my dad has to work three times harder than your dad just to bring back that same thing. And so we got into the habit of like overextending ourselves just to be like the Joneses mm-hmm. and, and giving our lives away to other companies or, or that didn't give a shit about us or our families. And they trained and indoctrinated our parents to train us to be the same way, but it just times just are not that way. Things progress. Inventions are made. Things are outdated and you move forward and our parents have to, sometimes they don't move forward with that. Yeah. Which leaves us in limbo. It leaves the children in limbo because your parents are supposed to be guiding the way, not indoctrinating you to be a slave. And I'm, I'm not trying to talk bad about anybody's parents who work very, very hard. I actually respect and love um, families like that. But there has to come a time where we look at that and go and, and with different lenses, right? Just working hard is not enough. Being there for your family is enough. Mm-hmm. As best as you can. Because I right now am 16 hours a day at my shop, you know? And so... It's not easy, but I'm not going to drill into my child's head that 16 hours a day work days are okay. Do something you love. Um, provide for yourself. Master that, then provide for a family if you want. That's my advice to my children. And not this work as hard as you can till you die. <laughs> it's like, yeah. You know, that's what makes this whole thing a well-oiled machine. Absolutely. I agree. You know, that's what makes it that's what makes it run so smoothly. And sometimes when I think of like colonialism, p- part of me is just like, fuck. Like I, I give them credit because of the way that it's been set up to where it's like, you know, if I'm not working, if I'm not being productive, I make myself feel guilty. And it goes into the conversation of like something that I've been thinking about lately. It's just like we will never truly understand what freedom is because the moment we get a sense of freedom i.e. some of us in the pandemic were forced to just stay home. A lot of us were forced to stay home unless you actually had to go to work. Uh, People were scrambling. They they didn't like that they had that much time on their hands. And that's because we're so ingrained into this like system of just productivity, having to work, 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 keep ourselves busy. The moment we, that's why people trip out on the weekend. You know, they get a moment to themselves. They're just like, fuck, I got to do something. And that's, that's horrible. And you actually, y'all have actually reminded me of, uh, there, there's a, a song that I'm working on right now um, and the beat that I got sent um, from one of the cats out here in San Jose, uh, it was titled Work. And so I was like, okay, let me hear this. And, and what he sampled was uh, Maxwell, this woman's work. And he just flipped it. And I was like, okay, cool. I like this. Let me, let me go ahead and listen to it. So when I started listening to it, um, you know, I opened up with, I didn't come up from the mud. My family made it out the field. They were picking fruit so I could pick a career. And the way that I'm leaning into it is like, okay, let me acknowledge all my family's hard work and sacrifice that they've done to make sure that I can be where I'm at today. Cause I work from home. I'm, I'm on, I'm on the grind of where it's like work smarter, not harder, even though my job is very exhausting. I get to work from home. I get to be with my family as much as possible. Uh, I get to be present with the people that I'm around Good. Uh, compared to my stepfather, you know, uh, may he rest in peace, Martin Fuentes. I'm going to always pay my love and respect to my stepfather uh, who came from Mexico city. Um, at the age of 14, he emigrated over here 
uh, didn't know any English. I remember him telling me the, you know, the age old story of just looking at a McDonald's menu and just pointing to whatever and then giving it to him because he couldn't speak English. Mm. And from 14 until the day that he passed, which was roughly around 50, 51 years old, uh, he worked every single day, every single day. He was a painter and he was just working, working, working. And I'm just like, damn, I remember seeing him become really, really depressed during the winter seasons when it was raining because they couldn't paint outside from the rain. Mm. And he would just sit there just kind of roaming around, wandering aimlessly like with nothing else to do. And it was always depressing. So I was just like, I never want to, I never want to participate in that kind of behavior. Um, and I'm never going to down talk it either because him putting in that work is, is honorable to the extent that he had to do what he had to do to make sure that his family was taken care of. And within this system that works so well, sometimes with our family members, just being able to provide food, transportation, clothing is enough and it leaves no more room they're spiritually exhausted, emotionally exhausted to be able to cater to their children as much as possible, yeah. which leaves us also orphaned within our families. And we feel detached from the family dynamic because we didn't get that emotional support. We didn't get that spiritual support. We didn't get that guidance. And sometimes our parents were only around enough just to be able to make us some frijoles and tortillas, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. But with the song that I'm writing, it's like the first verse I'm going to focus on paying uh, homage to all the folks that work to make sure that I got to where I'm at right now in this position speaking with y'all. And then in the second verse, what I'm going to do is talk about all the work that's not related to uh, monetary gain, because that's important. That's very, very important. I'm going to very, very much emphasize uh, taking a break when it's needed, relaxing when it's needed, because that's very important. Mm -hmm. And we never emphasize the work that we do within ourselves to make sure that we become better people, mm -hmm. you know? Working in our, you know, what about the work with, within our relationship? Me understanding my privilege in my own relationship, mm. you know, me understanding my privileges and my and my dynamic when it comes to being a man in the workplace, mm -hmm. you know, different things like that. I want to talk about a different form of work because there's a lot more out there than just being able to work and make money, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, no, and uh, work is interesting with with um with technologies being where they're at and the new shift to of whatever it's happening in, in terms of like how people make money. Right. Mm -hmm. Because when your cell phone became a fucking credit card, fucking reader that yeah. changed the game, you know, you could sell whatever you could sell fucking whatever, whenever. And then now your social media page becomes your website to sell your merchandise or whatever it is that you're selling. I mean, people could sell, they don't have to sell a hundred thousand units. They could sell 50 units. Whatever it is, yeah. of whatever it is, you know. So it, it, it's it. What I'm trying to say is that the shift is changing in terms of productivity of products and how they get to the market. Mm -hmm. And we need to be aware that old corporations and big monster corporations—they're kind of you know downsizing to whatever it is or outsourcing whatever it is. They're different countries, cheaper price, whatever. So what I'm trying to lead to is that. When we get a re a re-understanding of time and where we put our time and our creativity, and that becomes like our work days, you know, because if you go work and clean, you know, mop floors for eight hours, how how productive were you to yourself? Yeah. You know, exactly. like there this is the time where you can invent and be creative. They really fucked up when they let creativity be in the market. And you mm -hmm. can see that with NFTs, right? 
but it's not only going to be NFTs, it's going to, it's going to go into so many different avenues and really, um, individuals who know how to take advantage of that will be able to guide their energy to what they love to do to complete their destiny here on this planet. You know, these guys are not that smart and they're really lazy. I'm just being honest. I'm not trying to talk smack or anything, but none of their Masonic lodges or royal whatever's bloodlines or any of that have built any sophisticated structures that will leave an impact to this day. And then we're talking about the temples of Teotihuacan. We're talking about the temples of Chichen Itza. Those are our grandfathers. They left monuments that still leave a man baffled today. That's us. I don't care what anybody says. Because of the self-imposed trauma that I put on myself through ceremony, I awoke in my blood. And no one can debate me about that because that's my reality. And I don't need to prove anything but my word, my intent, and my energy. That makes me who I am. Mm -hmm. Not anything any white man or colonial thing could say. So when we wake up from being this slave mentality and put our energy into creating our new reality through the technical tools that are out there, through the social, through the social media tools, through podcasts, through markets, through restaurants, through whatever it is, slowly but surely... The prophecies of our ancestors will come true because there are groups already that are identifying as Chicano, indigenous, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And when we click up, click, 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 it's going to be just boom overnight. Yeah. Because of the technologies that are available when we wake up, when we put into action what we're doing. I think LA Native shows, LA Native Malinali Superfoods, I mean, there's plenty other indigenous um, healing businesses. And all we have to do is really just break down the borders of colonialism or what their language says we are and understand what we really are, our energies that have been placed here by the great sun itself. Yeah. And as I always state in these uh, mini disclaimers, this is not attacking all white people. I have plenty of white friends, but a lot of them are dicks. But anyways, um, <laughs> these are white people who disrespect the land, the water, the air, the air, the, the fire. fire. These are individuals who are exploiting these things against their brother and sister mm-hmm. when they were taught to respect them, you know, treat it with respect. And, and they didn't do any of that. So that tells me they're lazy and they're stupid. And I'm not <laughs> trying to be, it sounds rude, like I'm being, but I'm, I'm saying that so people can stop, you know, debating and trying to reference individuals that come from that type of lineage and that type of understanding, right? You know, those who hurt their own children and split their minds and their personalities on purpose just to keep wealth to, uh, uh, in their circles, they're just not wise. Instead of instilling and, 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 and vetting the population and getting the brilliant and, and giving the brilliant what they need and maybe the not so brilliant to learn from the brilliant so that one day they'll be brilliant. That's our societies. That's how we managed large cities 
in my opinion. Now, I'm not romanticizing it because there's always beef. We lived in a jungle. We live in the desert. We live around dangerous animals. People pop off. People have egos. People start studying dark arts. All that existed. But it wasn't like, all right, let's keep all the money for ourselves. <laughs> it wasn't that. Let's start, you know, we have the answers for all the world. It wasn't that. We're going to fucking be pedophiles and do all kinds of crazy, stupid shit. It wasn't that. It was some crazy shit, but none of the other stuff. Because, <laughs> you know, don't get me wrong, dude. There were blood cults. There were cannibals. Mm-hmm. There were things that were around during that time. We were crazy motherfuckers. We were eating shrooms. We were eating cactus. We were eating a lot of stuff. But it wasn't an organized, like, let's rule the world kind of shit. <laughs> yeah. you know? And everybody else is poor except us. That's like when 1% of the wealth, you know, the one and the 99%, the 1% owns more than the 99%. That's psychotic. That's psychotic. Right? It's it just unfound. You, you, that's not even math. Yeah. That's going to be the detriment to just our human existence in general. For a lot you of know, people. I, for a lot. For, of, yeah. Not, not for everyone. I, I, I always say, I always say, um, you know, when anybody gets into whatever debates or arguments, I always tell people like, you know, I pity, I pity European white folks um, for the sake that, you know, they, they, they're complicit in upholding these systems. They perpetuate these systems because they benefit from it um, a tremendous amount, especially when we talk about like 1% versus 99% uh, for the fact that they've been lied to the most out of all of us. At least myself, who is on this red road, can appreciate the dish between uh, arroz y frijoles because I know that rice is going to come from Spain. Frijoles are going to come from, um, you know, what we now consider Mexico. Mm. Uh, that that dish has evolved along with every other dish, whether it be uh, Mexicans, Salvadoreños, people from Guatemala. Like we have our cultures, even though it has evolved. When it comes to white folks, especially U.S. Americans. I feel like they've been lied to the most and they've been played the most is because they they are so separated and far removed from their true culture that they can't live out the destiny that their ancestors were even trying to, mm-hmm. you know, well, cultivate. They, they got, I mean, if we're talking about like U.S. history, right? Like we're talking about like mm-hmm. Benjamin Franklin, George Washington, all them motherfuckers. They really believed when they got here that they were like free. Yeah, but then the bank. Yeah. but then the bankers started coming, mm-hmm. right? All and the wealthy they, people. Oh, yeah, well, how can we fuck this up? How, how are yeah. we, we going to get those stupid people to do? Because they used this is what I'm trying to say about the Constitution, right? The Constitution. This is just my theory, bro. I'm not a fucking scholar. I don't. I'm not trying to go in that route. But if I'm a native and I put myself in those shoes in those times. And some white man comes and says, look, we wrote this constitution, right? And I would look at it as a native and go, yeah, okay, cool. These are cool rules for your white tribe. <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't mean that I'm a part of fucking those rules or those rules apply to me. You're learning that from me. You know what I mean? You're learning that from my fathers and my grandfathers and my uncles. They organized their societies like this equal everyone has a vote everyone you know and you just didn't have a vote just because 
You had a vote because you were an outstanding man. Everyone in the tribe or in the community or in the city said, that guy right there is the honest. He's always honest. He's always on point. And that's why you got to vote. It wasn't this fake popularity like, ooh, look at me. I'm, you look at how many votes I got. It, it wasn't nothing like that. You had to be impeccable to be in those positions because a lot of lives were on your shoulders. And it's completely exploited through the U.S. way, through the, you know, the current government system that say, oh, they'll say it themselves in their history book. The Constitution was written by the Arawaks and they, they, they fucking studied the Arawak Indians and then they used those principles to write this document that they hold so sacred. So you learned it from us. You learned everything from us. So then these are your rules for your tribe to follow. Mm-hmm. Not our rules. Why the fuck would it be our rules? You learned it from us. That's what I'm trying to say. So that shit doesn't even apply to me if I'm sovereign. Yeah. If I have a sovereign mentality. And all sovereignty means is your own personal relationship with Mama Tonansin, with Father Tonatu. And whatever the food you eat and the energy you get and the intention you have in your life. Is that relationship, mm-hmm. your own commitment to your own destiny. That doesn't require a constitution and a bill of rights yeah. and all that bullshit. That's far beyond that shit. Those are the rules that they need to follow for their fucking tribe. They don't apply to me. Mm-hmm. That, that's the way I feel. That's what I believe. And that's how I yeah. walk on this earth. In terms of my perspective, because you learned it from us. That's indigenous thought, indigenous reality. And that's the way we all need to walk on this. Imagine if we collectively walk that way together. It'd be a force to be reckoned with. Right. Because truth would guide our path. Unfairness and exploitation and like we... Growing up in the Vatios, right? You know, you meet some paisas that come or your cousin comes or whatever the fuck. And now, oh, yeah, I got a job. I got fucking, I got paid six bucks an hour. And they're happy as fuck. And you know, being a citizen from the U.S. going, damn, they're burning you. But they're happy as fuck. And we we were like, okay with them being burned that way. Well, they got to work. It's, yeah, you know, hey, he's a paisa. He has to work harder than we do. And that, that's not a sovereign mentality. That's a slave mentality. Like, I got mine. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about him. I got mine. Individualism. Yeah. That's yeah. different than sovereign. Sovereign is like a commitment, like I said, with your own personal path and your own intention. Right? And that sovereignty, you're going to carry it because you're going to go, I'm going to carry the wood from here to there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get the water from there to there. You know? And that's your commitment. And you got to follow through. Now, we need practice with that in our communities because we've been so dysfunctional. But you can recover that sense. You can recover that inside of you, that sovereignty that doesn't abide by any liar's rules. They're liars. 
Straight fucking liars, all of them. Liars, 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 liars. 500 treaties written, 500 treaties broken. Liars. Why would we ever believe that document to include us? And, yo, this is why. Give us rights. And, yo, this is why this episode is so explosive. Um, The reason why I love indigenous hip hop. Because everything that, that you talk about, you you apply it into your music, Zero. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Same goes for you, right, APE? Everything that, mm-hmm. that, that, that you're talking about today in this conversation, you know, people could listen to your music and, 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 and understand that, right? Yeah, very much so. We just got to get... We just- our, our, our perspectives of time, our perspectives of currency or money have to change in an individual way. In other words, you have to be responsible for your, where you spend your money, where you do all that yeah. in a sovereign sense, right? So, um, and that's the movement that we're creating absolutely. with all these artists. Yep. So, a- a- APE, ha- take us back to your early days of making hip hop. Was it indigenous hip hop or do, do you even consider yourself as an indigenous hip hop artist? Because I always I- I ask artists, well, you know, it- it's somewhat of a subcategory, but... Some some cats don't even consider it a category. It just if it's whack hip hop, it's whack. If it's dope, it's dope. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like like what is indigenous hip hop to you? Indigenous hip hop to me, let me know. Oh, I think you're cutting in and out. Am I? Now you're good. Yeah, I, I think now you're good. Yeah, okay. Yeah, something was something's happening with my headphones over here. They just completely cut out for something. Yeah, you're good to go. Uh, that's something that I'm still starting to discover, still starting to unlearn. I know when I started back in 2014, uh, I didn't consider myself uh, indigenous or in the realm of indigenous hip hop because my Red Road didn't begin until a year after I dropped or published my first uh, track in 2015. And I, I show love and respect to a dear friend of mine, uh, Crystal West, um, who I met back in 2015. And when we used to kick it, she used to have a bunch of just books. She was in grad school at that time. And she used to have a bunch of these books just laying around. Um, and it was about anything from just like Pueblo revolts to understanding the constitution to understanding, uh, you know, Chicanismo and like the Chicano movement. And it was interesting. There was always a thought provoking conversation when it came to, to engaging with her. And uh, she was the reason that I actually re-enrolled into uh, community college because I had dropped out a year before because my mom ended up getting breast cancer. She did end up beating it. She's still very alive and well. Mm, cool. I call her, I tell her I love her. Um, but I re-enrolled into to community college around that time uh, because of the conversations that we were, we were holding. You know, And a lot of the information that I got regarding just identity in general stemmed from listening to a lot of hip-hop. You know, you listen to a lot of the common, the most deaths, Black Star. Uh, one of the big ones for me was I know y'all mentioned him, Immortal Technique, because that was the first artist that I saw that looked like me, mm-hmm. even though he's Peruvian. Mm-hmm. You know, and my identity is so complex to when I was younger. The reason that I don't speak Spanish is because when I was younger, I associated myself with Black relatives because I was so fascinated by hip hop. Mm-hmm. And uh, with the family and the household that I grew up in, uh, as much as much as I love them. Um, you know, my family suffers from alcoholism, you know, 
they, they have an interesting relationship with alcohol. And so when I was younger, just trying to put things into perspective, I thought that Mexicans were inherently alcoholics. Mm. I thought it was a biological thing. Mm. And that wasn't the case whatsoever, that it's because of 500 years of colonialism, carrying 500 years of generational trauma, which is passed down, passed down, even to myself. And I unfortunately might pass it down onto my children because I still carry certain traumas that I haven't been able to take care of. Mm. But at least with me being conscious about it, I'll be able to guide them in a way to where it shouldn't hopefully hurt them as much as it has hurt me. But with what I'm saying is, um, you know, so when I was younger, I identified as somebody who was black. I never had the issue with my skin color because I wanted to be darker. You know, I used to even talk as um, what, what they would call now a black scent because I was listening to so much hip hop and all I would see were black artists. And so reggaeton started popping off and you see people like Nori who uh, started to kind of like cross these platforms and these genres um, from hip hop into reggaeton and people that were Dominican and so on and so forth. Um, but I pay, I pay respect to, uh, to my dear friend Crystal because that's when I started to really understand who it is that I was. I was like, okay, I'm hearing all these concepts coming from a mortal technique and what he's talking about to the, to the point where he's also rapping in Spanish. And I'm like, mm, okay, I like that. So let me let me go ahead and start to dig a little bit further. I'm here because of hip hop and I made it through my entire academic career because of hip hop. And I always implemented hip hop into what it was. Um, but with these institutions they, uh, and the people that I was uh, with and building community uh, that allowed me to get on this kind of red road of like really understanding who it is that I was with all of these Chica Next Studies courses that I was taking, uh, part of the Circulos that I was, even organizing and getting a part, uh, joining like Mecha which was interesting. Um, and I'm going to show uh, uh, another uh, tremendous amount of love to my, my man, Alan, uh, who has been uh, pivotal in cultivating who I am as a person and understanding my identity um, to where I'm getting closer and closer to my indigenous ancestry. You know, I've been able to, uh, to understand that my family coming from Nuevo Leon, Monterrey, and Coahuila, that in that area, what we would now know is Coahuilteco. And I remember my dad being from San Antonio. He would always tell me when I was younger, he's like, hey, we're Apache, you know, mm. we're Apache. But my, my father passed away when I was 13. So I didn't get a chance to actually inquire further about what that identity was about. But I just remember my father um, having very much indigenous features. If you take a look at my father's side with my sister and all her beautiful little children, uh, just long, long, beautiful hair, um, beautiful earth tone skin, uh, very, very strong features when it comes to the nose and the cheekbones. And, you know, I was like, okay, now I'm starting to get closer and closer to it. And so when it comes to like indigenous hip hop, uh, I always felt that that was something that was lacking, but not for the sake that they're not there, for the sake that it's not advertised as much as it needs to be advertised. And so when I started to dip into a lot of different genres and dip into a lot of different regions, I started to understand like, okay, this scene is very, very much out there. But as with anything, and we've also seen it in the media when they were posting the other category not too long ago, it's just like when it comes to indigenous hip hop, it can also be otherized. And that's, that's a fucking shame. Mm. You know? So it's a new concept for me, but it's also something that I'm very, very looking forward to, to being a part of because I know also with this show that we're going to be doing, that is going to be extremely powerful because it's going to be a bunch of different people gathering and offering palabra in that space. Yeah, that's the idea. 
you know, to bring people as far as we can get them, you know, and Dakota Bears coming from what, like way up there. APE couldn't have said it better. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly the point. And that's what we did last year, right? Zero. Yeah. yeah we got on Mecca from Las Vegas and who else did we get? Oh, Keys. Keys came from Oklahoma. That was pretty fire. Yeah, man. It's, it's, you know, we're all trying to just, you know, gather up in a good way, you know, um, share some people's talents. You know, AP is one of the, you know, one of the ones that you I'm can. actually glad this is going to be his first Los Angeles uh, performance, right his debut performing. Cool. And, you know, thank God it's actually at a dope venue under some dope promotion, right, Zero? Because, you know, there's a lot of fraudulent ass promoters out here. I don't want to say names, man, but they'll tell you one thing, they'll promise you this and promise you that, but then you'll end up, you know, performing in the middle of the sound going out. Yeah. Right, Zero? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, man. When you get, I'm, when so, you get, I'm so passionate about the music industry, especially for an independent artist in the underground game. Right, Zero? I'm sure you see our team and, 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 and our programs. We always try to deliver at least the best quality equipment to these underground artists. Yeah, I mean, it's not easy to get venues in Los Angeles that sound good or have some sort of a, you know, Catch One is known for. Catch One is known. Is known. Yeah, it's one of those it's a great venue. A lot of reggae bands used to play there when they were touring, and and it's in the area where I believe the old jazz scene used to be. So that's why that club is there still. A lot of history. Yeah, it, it's it's a cool venue. It's in the middle of a neighborhood, but it's fucking cool as fuck. And um and it's a thirteen dollar show. And this brother right here, he he's he's explaining his message, you know, and and we're explaining what we're trying to do with the gathering is to get people from different areas of Turtle Island to come together as one and just share some time. You know, we're not going to cure the world. We got to get that out of our head. We just got to be sovereign and have the, the solid commitments with our own life and our own destiny. And when we do that simultaneously, that's what brings change, right? That's what brings change. And I, hate, and I hate the fact that the other category does exist according to the mainstream, right, mm -hmm. Zero? Well, like that's if you were nominated for a music video, uh, award it, it would like you know AP he said like it would probably be considered other yeah well because they're racist <laughs> yes yeah, to say the least it's just but that's the way that's it's commercial music also, is that what it is you know that, that's also refreshing for me because I actually struggle with the industry you know I, I very much want to be I very you know I'm a hip-hop artist I'm, I'm doing it for me winning a Grammy would be a bonus but I, I don't seek white validation. And I know the people that run these corporations and companies. Mm -hmm. So I know that through and through, because I dropped my first album and because I'm still making music, I am a hip hop artist. I carry myself as a hip hop artist. I live hip hop, I breathe hip hop, and I am hip hop. That is my existence amongst other things as well. But when it comes to the industry, that's why it's refreshing for me to hear you saying, uh, acknowledging that the industry can be snakes. You know, promoters yeah. can be a little bit janky because I struggle with that. You know, the reason that I'm not I'm not going to say as far as I should be, the reason that my process and my path is going a little bit differently is just because I understand what comes with the industry. I understand sometimes it could be treated like high school. People are only in it, only in it for business. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, business, you know, within the society allows opportunities and opens doors for other folks. Mm -hmm. But I just don't work like that. I'm the type of person that likes to connect. You know, if somebody reaches out to me, I want to know about this person. Mm -hmm. I want to take this to another level to where it's just like, how are you doing today? Mm -hmm. What can we do to make sure that what it is that we put on, what it is that we create is actually going to be a memorable experience 
and not for the sake of just like, all right, we're just going to cash this shit out and you keep all of it while I get like 10% or nothing. I get a plate of food because promoters can be like that as well. It's just like, ah, we'll give you exposure and you get a plate of food. Yeah, you know? I mean, they'll get, that's, it, it's it's like when you study history, like um, in terms of like how things got started, like how did commercial music get started? It was an insurance company that had an antenna and it would ask Hank Williams to come and sing songs on there. And then all of a sudden he pressed records and then now he has a station that gets to play the records. And so it evolves, right? But it's always been a commercial. People who sponsored and invented radio were inventing commercials, right? It's just that you wrote a cool tune or you wrote, you wrote a cool love song that everybody related to, but brought to you by State Farm. You know, it's yeah. like the, brought to you by Universal, brought to you by fucking... In the early 90s, man, tell me if it wasn't one... For, this is my label, Bad Boy and fucking Death Bro. And that's a label. That's a... that's a You know what I mean? It's like a record company. It's not... Yo, Zero, at, at one point in your career, were you... At one point, like, yo, how, what's a Grammy? Like, I want to get that. Mm. I'm chasing that as a producer, you know. Yeah. You were I stuck guess. in that little bubble. We're like, oh, man, you like, believe, oh, I want to get a fucking Grammy. You believe that, oh, wow, I have the talent to make that or to yeah. get that, you know. And you don't because you have to sell out. You have to be led down certain paths to promote. Anything, whatever it is that you're trying to promote. I mean, I agree. You you literally have to look, sell out. That, look, I think that's me, that's the perfect way to say. Well, it. you have to because, excuse me. Um, right now in hip hop, what is the big thing? Like, they're what are they promoting in in the like trap music and all that? Percocets, um, Xanax. It's um, a lot of great These lean, are this lean, is cough syrup. This is modern. Pharma. Mm -hmm. This is modern pharma. Dropping money, giving artists or giving managers or giving, we need to push these pills. Mm -hmm. Right? It's big pharma. And now we have vaccines. So the pharma's in the music industry trying to promote its product. And in your ear, in the commercials, trying to get a vaccine. It's big pharma making its push like big oil made its push. Like, you know, whatever else, you know, the gold rush made its push. Every It's high tech making its push to be the king on the throne. It's big pharma. It's, it's so easy to see. You hear it in their music. Percocet. I'm like, fuck, this is, I, I can't listen to this hip hop song that's just talking about like prescription pills. Yeah. Right. That are being exploited. And, and these artists... Pack out Rolling Louds, 10,000 capacity crowds. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I get invited to Rolling Loud every year. And when I go, man, those are the kids that are already lost, bro. There's no way on, on, on getting them back, bro. They're already fucking sucked into the matrix, bro. Right. Well, when you hear a rap artist, a very popular rap artist, rap like he's taking a pill to relax. And you see it in movies, too. Notice in movies, like early, like... 2010 movies and and till now look at those movies and listen to the people in the movie and they're like oh i gotta pop two xanax you know and i gotta pop two percocets and i gotta pop and they're like in the movies so now it's in this it's in the popular music and big pharma has a commercial out going take this if you feel this that and the other 
so it's a it's an onslaught of of businessmen and tycoons just selling you shit that's why i think it's not that strong right it's like based on selling things like it's just so so eventually so, gonna just crash ap i want to ask you you know let's get to the gritty of, of the hip-hop grimy business you know what i'm saying were you at one point like chasing a record deal you know what i'm saying like yo you know i want to get signed yeah I think all of us were. I, I have to admit, I was. When I, no, you know what? It's, it's funny. Underground hip hop got a hold of me. Underground hip hop got a hold of me. So when I actually started, uh, you know, publishing my music, it was like, fuck it. I'm going to go straight independent. I don't care. I don't need a label. That was when, you know, you would listen to people like Ari the Rugged Man. You have every record label sucks dick. He listened to God Loves Ugly from Atmosphere. And he's talking about put your deal up on the table and we'll show you who's the pimp. You take a look at Immortal Technique, who's just like, I'm pushing all these CDs independently. I'm pressing it myself with whatever money I needed to use on the street to get it. And I'm pushing it. The last time that I had any desire to get any major label recognition was when I was roughly about maybe 11 or 12. And I would tell my mom, hey, mom, when we go to L.A. or we go to Disneyland, can we stop by the Capitol, uh, Capitol Records building? Because I want to I want to walk in and see if they would be able to sign me. That was the last time that I ever wanted major uh, major label recognition because as I started to get older, as I started to realize that the mainstream media, mainstream in general, is just pushing this one narrative of you know having to numb ourselves or just party, 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 ignoring everything that's going on in the world. It's like I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be complicit. Now, mind you, I'm also grown. I've also grown to the extent of I like to get it popping. I'm just like my mom. I'm just like my dad. You throw on some good music, I'll be out there with y'all dancing, having a good fucking time. But I'm also, after I'm done dancing, we're also going to get to conversations about how motherfuckers are numb out here, you know, how we're numbing ourselves to everything that's happening in this world. And I understand ignorance is bliss, but we can't stay ignorant for the rest of our lives. I've seen one, somebody in the comments saying, when are modern, modern brown folks going to wake up? It's just like, yeah, let's dance for a little bit. Let's get this energy out so that when we come down, let's have this fucking conversation about why we need to wake up, you know? And that's where I'm at. And I'm going to continue to do that. If a major label comes to talk to me, I'm going to let them know I'm a liability, bro. We're yeah. going to have these conversations. I'm going to make this specific music that are going to have these, com that are going to ask these questions that y'all don't want to hear. Yeah. Let's talk about streaming. You, you know, we talk about labels. I'm not saying let's talk about streaming in this in this space, but record label approaches me. Let's talk about streaming. Let's talk about ownership. What does that look like? How am I making sure that my legacy is going to be passed on to my children and my family and you don't own everything that I have? Well, that's like deals, almost, that almost every experience I had with any record, anything has never been in anybody's favor, in the in the artist's favor. Yeah. You know, like they, they starve you out. Like they, they almost know you're super fucking broke and you'll take anything <laughs> you'll sign your life away for nothing. And, you know, um, that, that, that's a given like that, that whole idea of, of being a successful mainstream artist is a very small illusion. Mm -hmm. You know, even nowadays, like kids are not even really wanting that anymore. They want to be more TikTok stars and yeah. Instagram stars and, they're not trying to get a label like in, in our day, like in Armando in our day, well, in my day, um, it was all, oh, I'm going to get a label and I'm going to get signed. And, and nowadays it's not about that. Nowadays it's like, they don't give a fuck. You know, it's like, who's going to give me money? It could be a fucking, no, but, but, it could but, be a Nike, it could be a Nike fucking thing. You know what I mean? But it's there like, was a certain class of artists like yourself, Zero, and, and your peers, the two Mexes, and mm -hmm, the, mm -hmm. 
the project bloats where you guys like didn't waste time. You guys had figured it out. Like, look, we're good enough to not have to like rely on people. Why don't we just do it ourselves and print these fucking CDs and go to these underground shows and fucking pass out these CDs? Mm-hmm. Well, that is see, the that's most a whole different grind way. though. That, that that but back then that costed a lot of money, right? Yeah. Well, it did, and and sometimes wasn't packed. You know, sometimes it was not packed. It, I mean, it was very far in between when you had a very packed show. I don't care who you were. You know, if you were with Tumex. I mean, Tumex, that, that rhymes, uh, rhyme fast. And he had some good shows. And But some shows But uh, No, I'm talking about, like, of Mexican descent days. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, well, I mean, we learned very quickly. Oh, wow. But it was very expensive to print the merchandise. Yeah. A thousand CDs was not cheap. Yeah. You know, especially when you're broke. And then... Everybody's asking for the fucking CD for free. You know, that's because I'm the homie. Like, fucking give it to me for free. It's like, it, it just was a different grind. And nowadays, they try to phase it out with um, streaming. You know, they're like, now now you got to stream all your shit, right? And who, who the fuck owns CDs? Well, people who own CDs, again, I'll take it back to the beginning of the show, is when you buy merchandise from someone, it could be a fucking cup. Here, I'm selling these cups. And a person that likes your music and buys that cup, he's not buying the cup. He's buying your, you keep making music, bro. You keep going to the studio. You keep going on tour. Here, I'll buy your cup. Yeah. Exactly. That's what it is. You're not selling a shirt, man. You're selling whatever you believe in, and they believe in it with you. So they're going to wear your shirt, right? That was one thing about Tumex. When we used to play with Tumex, he used to go, hey, bro, give me one of your shirts, the biggest shirt. It's like, boom, we used to give him a fucking shirt. Bam. First thing you do is before he got on stage, you wore the El Vu shirt. That, like, he's just showing love, like, because he believed in the message that we had. I mean, he didn't buy it, but you know what I mean? He put it on to perform so that all the people in the room and after the show, they're going to see the shirt. That's like, to me, it's like, that's how you do it. Because no matter what, the label comes in when they already see you making a lot of money. They're like, here, let me help you with that. (laughs) It's like, you're already making a lot of money. Why the fuck do I? That's what their immortal technique is message. It's like, I'm already making a lot of money, dude. Why the fuck you want to get in my my business? Mm -hmm. Well, we can make you more money. Yeah. Right? It's also not a liability. You know the difference between $10 million and $5 million? $10 million will give you headache, impotency. Sickness, five million dollars will give you time because you're going to take the other five million and give it to someone else to help you run your stuff, right? Don't stress yourself out. They put that all that pressure on that artist, you know, and they don't know how to spend money, so they fuck it off. Mm-hmm. And they're not, it's just a trap, is what I'm saying. Record labels are traps, just it's disgusting. Yeah, they're not, they're not for the I, artist. I, I could say on this record show, labels are not for the artist. The hip-hop business is the grimiest garbage you could ever get yourself into. Yeah, because those guys believe that contracts lead to financial stability. And they don't. It doesn't. It's like they, they got you. The and only, they make one, you the only kid that I believed in is Trippy Red. When he came into my office, when I met him, he seemed like a good kid. I knew his head was on his shoulders. I was like, yo, how old are you? He was like, I'm 16. Damn, when you met him? When you know, did, you know who when I he did met? the mic session. You know who I and met? And now he's a superstar. He's like, you know, 
Yeah, he's on movies and all that kind of shit. He's fucking everywhere. So I'm just like, look, just live it up, kid. Because it's eventually going to crash if you don't take care of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I met Fora. Fora. I met Fora. He's a millionaire. (laughs) He is. And I met him just before he became a millionaire. And and he did it by selling a shirt one by one and being there after the show, shaking the little girl's hand and taking pictures and listening to music from... You know, he was involved with his crowd. He bro, was a really good... I loved his, his grind, bro. I, I remember one time, I suppose, had a little show at a skate shop. Mm. Worst fucking decision ever at a fucking skate shop. <laughs> so you already know it was packed. Mm. Full of little girls. Yeah. And towards the back, it was so cramped that these girls passed out. Oh, These shit. teenagers. No way. And I specifically remember one of the girls that passed out, like prior conversation she was just like talking to her friend like yo uh you know hopefully one day i could have a baby with four <laughs> like those are the type of fucking fans you need to blow up right zero no man but that's kind of crazy but that's the type of audience that they attracted that's the kind of it was it, brilliant that kind of hysteria he did cause bro i mean i was there man i seen all the people line up and just with, had, with the dollar bills in their hands like this here give me the sweater <laughs> you know Spending money. And and if you're good at doing that, then you don't need anybody. Right. It's work. It's work. And was there any artist APE that, that you came across or you grew up with or you met at one point and now they're just like super big? That I've met personally? Yeah. And now they're super big. Hmm. I can't. I don't think I can comment. That's I haven't really good. met too many artists like that. That's good, though. Yeah, that you that know? that's actually a good I thing to have. have. Like, I I remember Fora when he was dropping his like first when he was a young young cat when he was first dropping his stuff. Yeah, like he. I, I remember just being uh, in class listening to a lot of Pandora, and he would always cycle through a lot of what I was listening to because back in like 2012, 2013, I know. Um, LA started to have like this huge hip hop scene start to like blossom with a lot of the cats like uh, Reverie, Gavelin. Uh, yeah, well, that uh, was well, look, check this out. Underground hip hop blog, I'm proud to say we got Gavelin's first interview. We got Reverie's first interview. Right. We got Self Provokes. Right. We got Self Provokes' first ever interview. And Ooh. most importantly, yeah. most importantly, we got Forrest's first ever interview. No way. But see, the yeah. thing is, the thing is, guys, when I saw Fora, I already knew he was going to be a star. I'm sure you felt the same way, right, Zero? He just had that. He just he was just so, just at the time, I was just like, yo, it's coming together. And Fora, his pops was cool. His pops was dope. Fora can write songs, bro. Yeah. He can write songs. He's a he's great just, songwriter. He's just a great songwriter. He could put his emotions into his song and make it a love song. And probably love songs are probably the most popular songs. Yeah. You know, and he's a good-looking kid. It all kind of lined up for him for that. Career. But I suppose, man, he he put in that that floor work, man. That I was just like, I respected. Yeah, if I it respected. wasn't, it, in my opinion, in my opinion, you know, it, it was when I met Fora, it was hand in hand, and then Fora yeah. made decisions and he mo- moved on. But I suppose is a is just a great marketer, man, and he's a talented hip hop artist, and and he makes his own clothes as shout well. So shout I out, suppose. shout out to I suppose, because you know. It's crazy growing up with them because I, I mean, I grew up, my group started and I suppose was a, a little kid, you know, he was only like 15, I think, when I met him. And um, yeah, it's crazy to know everybody and, and have their careers evolve and 
and become what they become, you know. So we're excited to have you down at the show, APE. Thanks for coming on, bro, sharing your message, sharing your wisdom. And we're, we'll see you pretty soon, no? Any, you got yeah. any projects, anything? Let, let people know your handle and where to find you. Yeah. Do you have any merchandise? Yeah. Uh, no, I haven't made the jump on merchandise yet. I, I do have an idea. Um, it was actually drafted by a relation out in, uh, from Washington. Mm. Um, I appreciate him. He, he drafted some, uh, something for me that I, I do want to put on, uh, put on merchandise. I just haven't jumped on it, especially when all that was happening, the pandemic had hit and I just kind of sat on the back burner and took a moment to reflect on, on just what I want to do with this, this music stuff. Absolutely. Um, but, well. I mean, Anybody, anybody could find me on uh, TikTok and Instagram. Those are the only two apps that I use. Uh, A.P.E underscore SJ. Um, and I'm finalizing my second album. I, I put it on the back burner a little bit, but I'm finalizing my second album. I always got singles that I'm working on. It's just trying to find when I want to drop them. You know, there's never the perfect time, but that, that whole concept that goes a part of the music industry of making sure that you drop it at the perfect time and that it's, it's quality content always always destroys my creativity you mm. know i i'm kind of getting closer to where i just want to just fuck it drop it just continue to drop it drop it no marketing nothing like that i just want people to listen to the music that's the most important thing to me well, I mean, well you know remember guys june 25th we're bringing out ape to los angeles so oh. best believe you guys need to come out and support um what do people have to look forward to june 25th with your performance bro conviction heart there's only a, it takes a certain person to be able to do this hip-hop shit especially with all the all the limitations you know I, I know you you spoke about like the whole tiktok tiktok era of you know people want to become tiktok tiktok famous or people want to be stars on tiktok like this ain't clout chasing on my end Nah, th this is hip-hop this is some channeled ancestral shit regardless if that comes from my ancestors regardless if that comes from our black relations what they're going to see on the 25th is just me well-prepared, ready to come out and shut shit down and share community, get to know each other, get to know one another and just create a circle, create a community. So this is June 25th at the Catch One. You can buy tickets right now at catch.one. We got to go to Bear. We got Zero Velvu, Nug Life, Bruja Bru, yep. right? We got Polka One. One. She's dope. Yep. She's dope. Sub one. Sub one. Azamali. Azamali. Prodac Pistolas. Sure. Prodac for sure. APE. APE. Indigenous cats. They're cool. Yeah. I've been seeing them make moves, man. Yeah, they're yeah. they're really I they're really going out there. And then and most importantly, though, one but, of them did it. But, but last but not least, I'm so looking forward to Brandon set, bro. Brandon. Oh, Brandon the Wizard. Oh man. <laughs> Look, guys, Brandon the Wizard, he is fucking fire, bro. That dude's skills, his voice. He's he on the main stage. He reminds me of, like, classic era hip-hop that just, he just has fire lyrics and fire everything. He's I'm dope. actually looking forward to Brandon's Brandon the dope. Wizard. Guys, the June 25th, fire. you guys can't miss it. It's can't only miss a $13, $13 man. Come on. ticket. We're, we're trying to It's compete. a Saturday, right? Yo, APE, shouldn't the indigenous hip-hop scene at least compete with the quote-unquote mainstream or the headlining underground hip-hop shows right it, it, it needs oh, yeah. that and and now's the time right ape yeah now's the time now's the time and it's you know th this is going to be a moment you know if you miss it that's unfortunate 
we'll circle back and give you another moment. But for the most part, you got to be there because yeah. that shit is going to be life changing. June twenty fifth, man. Custer's last stand. This is there's a purpose for this, and there's you know when we regain our power, and what I mean by that is recommit to our commitment to the earth and to the great sun and to the air and to the fire and to all the elements that we are and really start making rooted decisions. That's all we're asking. All those people who feel that way come on June 25th and meet other people who think that way, right? Independent, strong, indigenous survivors of genocide, you know? Absolutely. So, yeah, APE, man, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for jumping on the interview, man. Everyone, make sure you follow him on social media, on his Instagram. Check out his Spotify. Um, just support. Be there June 25th. And um, thank you, APE. Absolutely, Appreciate brother. you for having me. Thank oh. you. Have a beautiful evening. You too. Yo, that was a good... Yeah, he's cool, man. That was he's a well, good interview. Looks like he's well-read. I, I, I love how he broke down the whole concept of what always protect means like mm -hmm. the whole Chicano scene that that shit brought back memories, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that Chicanismo, it was, it was, you know, you know, you got to understand that these individuals during the sixties, they got a whole political party together. They were, they, they were moving shit, collecting, um, people to vote for their party and bringing everybody to Colorado. But these weren't the, the, the Zoot Suiters, right? Well, no, this was the Chicano movement. The Zoot Suit movement was more of like, you know, that's where gangs kind of started, yeah. you know, where everybody was kind of dressing the same and coming from certain areas in Los Angeles. But um, when I'm talking about the Chicano movement, it's such a journey and it does have its issues. And, and we always look for a movement to be pure. Right. Like this pure movement of no, anybody made mistakes or nobody has says the wrong things. It's like we all come with this baggage and we all have to be tolerable of each other. And when we do that and become and recommit to our own commitment with the earth and the sun and whatever inspires you or gives you strength. That's when we see massive change and teaching our children how to do that. That's when we fucking just break the chains, right? And we have a hundred years to do that. I don't expect to see that kind of change, but I do expect to try and change into that direction, right? Right now we're suffering from people believing that they have a shot at being some white person, right? And what I mean by that is someone who will exploit someone else, someone who will you know, trash the land, someone who will exploit the, the resource of air and pollute it and the water, all those things that, that just, you know, came with colonialism. Sometimes people that are our own families, oh, yeah, I work for this, that, and the other, and I don't give a fuck, and who cares, you know, I'm just doing my job. That When they turn us into them, then we have a really long road, but to be them, you have to be very, very disconnected and disoriented from reality in terms of you live on the earth, man. You would think not to fuck it up. You know, you live with other people. You would think not to be mean to them. Th that Those are the common sense shifts that we are experiencing now in this great shift. You know, 2012 was 
a while ago. It's not 10 years. You know, 10 years, we're going deeper and deeper into the universal understanding and the time sequences of our ancestors. The Mayan calendar wasn't the end. It was the beginning of a new. And now we are 10 years into it. And you start to see the indigeneity sprout up all over Turtle Island. Like tiny flowers, tiny communities, regaining their sovereignty. That was the prophecy of our great abuelo and abuelas. They said that we would come back. And this is who we're trying to be now. And our big gathering is June 25th at the Catch One with Dakota Bear. What an honor. What an honor. Bro. His first LA appearance. You got to put one of his songs on or some shit, like, before we leave, like, you know, let at that the outro. I would shit. love to. I'm going to put it on the Spotify. Oh, you can't. Uh, you, you can't do it on YouTube. What? They'll, they'll, they'll strike you? it. They'll block you. They'll Fuck fucking it. censor it. They'll, they're in control at all yeah. times, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, you'll have to buy the ticket to see him because I'm telling you right now, he's fucking fire as fuck. Don't be surprised if it gets sold out, guys. Yeah. You know, last year we had 273 people. Yes. Right? And the place fits 300. So it's limited capacity. We almost hit. If the there's limit. any vendors out there that want to participate, hit us up, email us or DM us on Instagram. Um, our email is lenativespodcast at gmail or hit up Zero Velvu on his personal Instagram. Um, man, I'm so excited for June 25th, man. We got Dakota Bear, we got Nug Life. Yes. Nug we got zero velvu, yep. um, and we might be adding more very soon. Yeah. So stay tuned in. Thank you guys for joining us tonight. Any last words, Joe? Well, it's always nice to be in front of our LA Native audience. It's, um, I get excited to do this show. I want to shout out all the people that have been coming to support our Malinali Superfood uh, Cultural Center. Um, Tamale Nalikali, and everyone who has been a part of plant-based Aslan, our, our monthly market. Um, if you want more information on that, you can follow us at, at Malinali Superfoods. And um, yeah, it's always nice to come in and interview somebody who is on the same path as, as I guess, you. You, you, know, you walk side by side with these artists, whether they're new artists or whether they're seasoned artists. We all walk together with one intention, and that's to show our vulnerability to our community so that they can see our humanity and make the change within themselves, right? Not that we have anything special to say. I'm talking about the collective of artists, right? It's just that we go through these emotions, and sometimes we get lucky and write something that relates to you. And if anybody's music has ever touched you, know that, you know, us as Underground Hip Hop Blog and LA Native's podcast, we're trying to vet the best inspiring artists to come to our community, which is Los Angeles, and put together an atmosphere, right? A lot of people, they, they go, oh, it's a vibe. Well, when you come to LA Native's, when you listen to our podcast, it's a different dimension. I don't, we don't have the reality of colonialism on us. We don't want corporate sponsors 
trying to sell us, trying to get us to sell you guys something. This is a different dimension. Our ancestors made this podcast so that we can transmit our message across Turtle Island in a good way. With the power of our own heart and our own collective intention. We'll see you next Wednesday. Tlazukamatli, umete, tonansi, tonatu.